welcome to the In It podcast, where we talk about the latest trends in public transit and look into the future of mobility through the eyes of leading industry experts. I'm your host, Ann Derby, and today we're talking about the hype around the coming Next Generation Orca Fair Collection System in Seattle, Washington. Joining us today is Eric Linksweiler, In It's COO of the Western Region. Eric, welcome to the In It podcast. Thanks for joining us from Seattle today. Thanks, Ann. It's really fun to be back in Chesapeake and having a chance to see all the production engineering going into delivering some of our projects out west. Our second guest also hails from Init Seattle. Jim Stamateo is a system engineer on the ORCA project. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Ann. It's good to be here. So, Eric, let's talk about what's happening in Seattle. There's a huge boom going on in this city. In fact, Seattle was recently ranked third in economic growth among the largest U.S. cities. You're right in the middle of that expansion, living and breathing the next-gen ORCA system. Give us some background. What is ORCA and what are you doing in this massive project? No, it's a great question. Um, ORCA is a regional fare collection system. It went into production sometime in the mid-2000s. I can't exactly remember where. It was one of the beta users back when it first came on, before I got my position within it. Um, It's a great system. Riders love it. It's an easy way to put money on your card, to be able to pay for transit. It's pretty ubiquitous. A lot of employers, and it included, make sure that all of our employees have part of our business passport program, so it pays for the transit. The reason that's so important is that there's not a parking stalls in downtown Seattle to fund every, to give a place for everybody. There's also the expense of it. It's $385 or $400 per parking spot. So for in its 20 employees in Seattle, that cost would just be immense. So the excitement about the next generation Orca is that we get to leverage newer technologies that simply weren't available in the mid-2000s. Open payments, uh, contactless credit cards, the ability to have an account-based system so it's immediate check and you don't have to worry about a delay in, in recharging. So it's really exciting for us to be a part of it and not only realize that this is a customer we're delivering a service to, we're delivering it to ourselves and our friends because this is the system we're all going to be using for many years to come. That sounds really exciting. So I assume that this is the next generation. The previous system was a card-based system? It was. It was a card-based system. Value was stored in the card. One of the biggest frustrations we had, and this has nothing to do with the, the vendor and the technology, it just has to do with what was available at the time was being able to put money on your card. So if you find out at the end of the transit day that you have less than a couple dollars on your card, if you want to reload it with some rare exception, it can take a whole business day or two. So that can be some of the challenges people have with that. It's one of the frustrations and complaints you hear, though there's very few of them. So um, it is a card-based system, state-of-the-art when it went in. People are very comfortable with it, but I think they're going to really like the flexibility of transitioning to something with with open payments, with being able to pay from your phone, um, all the features that people have come to expect in other parts of our own lives as consumers, just to make the transit experience easier to use. So you're talking about going from a card-based system where all the money is stored on the card. If that card is lost or stolen, then you're really out of luck to an account-based system where the money is stored in an account and people can access their account at any time. So for instance, I would imagine if you've got $2 left in your account, you can top that up fairly easily. So, yeah, that's the thought behind these systems is that the account-based system will fund the account and fund the transit versus a card where the money's stored on it. And just to correct one thing here is that if, if a card's lost or stolen or destroyed, if it's registered, you can go move that value to another card. The challenge, though, is you've got to know which one it is. In Seattle, I've got to have a map between the 20 employees and the 20 cards to go through that process. 
the account-based system, you won't have that. That sounds uh, a lot easier for the rider and for the agency. So replacing a system that large and complex is a pretty massive undertaking, I would imagine. I'm curious what that might look like from an engineering perspective. Jim, I guess that's your area of expertise. So what are some of the challenges and what needs to happen in order for the project to be successful? Sure, Ann. Uh, the primary challenge is to create a seamless transition, one that favors the rider and does not cause them to have any degraded service, even for a short period of time. So, for example, when it becomes the system of record in the ORCA project, we need to quickly replace the validators on the vehicles. With 2,500 vehicles, it's a huge undertaking, one that needs to be done as rapidly as possible across six different agencies. So I've already done a few, and considering that each full vehicle installation took about probably about two hours, we had a problem. So to reduce this time as much as possible, we needed a way to perform about 95% of the vehicle installation work up front in the 14 months before we become the system of record. But we had to keep the existing system in service. So to do this, we engineered a small transition adapter that allowed it to pre-install all the cabling, all of our mounting hardware, and then return the current validator into service, mounted on our mounts, and communicating through our cables. This gives us the flexibility to take our time and install vehicles, very far in advance of becoming the system of record. So now on the night that we become system of record, all that we have to do is remove the old validator and replace it with a NITS validator. We reduce the time on vehicle cut overnight from approximately two hours per vehicle down to about five minutes. Wow. This way, we can migrate a small fleet, say 300 vehicles in a weekend, and large vehicles probably in weeks instead of months. So Jim, you used a term that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. Help me break it down. For instance, define system of record. What exactly does that mean? Sure. Uh, since this eFair installation is replaced an existing system, at one point in time during the migration, the back office will change from the old system to the init system. Whatever back office is actively processing those transactions is referred to as the system of record. Got it. Eric, as COO of Western Region, how are your guys preparing for this project? What are some changes that have to take place in order to better serve our customers on the West Coast? That's a good question. Um, we actually started building capacity for Orca before we won this project. We started looking at additional office spaces so that we had a collaborative space that would house us all. Our previous office only had space for about six employees working at the same time. So to all of a sudden grow and swell to the size that we needed to do to host the development center, as well as host additional engineers and project managers and testing staff and testing laboratories and being able to move equipment like ticket vending machines up into a building. We just had a lot of preparation for that. It's been exciting because it's been fun to give ourselves the time to find different ways to prepare and do things. For example, the development center, it wasn't a trivial thing to decide how are you going to have German engineering be implemented in Seattle. And so we have to do things like hire people that are early morning risers so they can go, go and have conversations with, with our colleagues in Germany. Uh, they've got to be self-directed throughout the course of the day. We have to do things such as uh, instead of just having one project manager or one system engineer on a project, we've got to figure out how to leverage a team of engineers and a team of project managers. But this is just an evolution of the growth of it. We get a chance to learn how to deliver and deploy a transition to a new system as well as be able to um, do something of this scale. So uh, this is building some durability for what we're doing and learning. And one of the exciting things and the, the uh, commitment that it's had in Seattle for our team there is this is our home system, which really makes it exciting for us to work on. So uh, I've been to Seattle and I have um, ridden public transit there. And I noticed that all, all of the uh, employees there do take public transit. So there's a vested interest here. 
well, we're German, so we're cheap, so we don't we can't afford parking spots for everybody. <laughs> um, but we we it's just the culture of Seattle's transit is expected, and your employer generally provides it. That's one of the great things that Sound Transit, King County Metro, and all the other agencies have have provided for. Um, and and it is a, a mark of pride for us that 100% of our employees take public transit to and from work. Um, it really helps because when a person joins in it, they already know what we do because they use it every day. Right, right. King County, Community Transit, Kitsap, Sound Transit, some of the um, agencies involved in the ORCA project. Right. And ORCA stands for one regional card for all. So the region is defined in those some of those agencies you already mentioned, but also Kitsap Transit, Washington State Ferry, Pierce Transit, Everett Transit, and the ability to expand the system. Um, they can expand into other areas, too, to make it a broader regional card if we want. Uh, and it can be done so fairly simply. We're not going to do that for the first phase of getting us to become the system of record, but, but that potential exists. The nice thing about it is it's a ubiquitous solution for a consumer. So if a consumer takes a water taxi from West Seattle and takes it into Seattle and wants to get on a bus, it's the same payment card. Tap on and use. You don't have to go to another ticket vending machine, buy a different type of ticket, go a different way. So it works really well from a consumer standpoint. And there's a lot of complexity to make that work but it's one that uh, we, we feel pretty comfortable in how we're going to tackle it. Yeah, it sounds pretty exciting. Um, back to you for a minute, Jim. So we've been talking about how easy it is for the rider, uh, one system. The Seattle is ranked seventh among the fastest growing major cities and named one of the top 10 transit cities in the country. In 2017, transit ridership reached 191.7 million trips. So to your point, Eric, everyone takes public transit. Um, there's no shortage of riders there. However, there is a change taking place. So what does that change look like when the new account-based system is installed? Are there any pain points for the riders? It's very difficult to make a change like this. I mean, there's a lot of hard work that goes on in the background, and we need to minimize the impact of the rider as much as possible. But that being said, it's nearly impossible not to have some impact. One of the major pain points is accurate card balances during the day. They will reconcile every evening, but interday balances will not reflect the rides you've taken until the next day. So let me explain. The rider's balance in the existing system is stored on the card, and its system stores the account balance centrally. The card simply identifies the rider to the back office. Since we will continue using the same fare media during transition, and since riders for a short time will encounter both old and new validation devices, we need to import the taps from the old system into the new system for reconciliation, since we can't write the balance data back to the existing cards. So one of the biggest parts, and this is really on Sound Transit to do, is to educate the rider about what the new system's capabilities are. Uh, there was a lot of excitement when this system was sold to the region about what benefits they're going to get, but they might not get all those benefits during the transition phase. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for a rider to be confused. So when we put our ticket vending machines into the system, there's going to be one of our ticket vending machines that's turned off, one of the existing ticket vending machines that's turned on, the night we switch over, we'll turn the existing one off, turn ours on. So the rider has to know, I'm going to have a different experience. I'm going to have a different user flow. Now, we're going to try and minimize that as much as possible. But it's really a campaign to ensure that the information about what to expect is given. But because of the amount of transition that's happening in Seattle anyways, at the same time this system goes live, we're opening an entire new rail system to the east side of the city. So this is not something riders never had before. So there's a lot of adaptability the rider's going to have to get used to throughout this process. But we're pretty confident that we're not going to be a source of confusion that's going to decrease ridership. We think it's just going to be a period of time we've got to work through. I understand. So 
let's transition a little bit here in our conversation. Uh, one of the most talked about practices in the industry today is the idea of free fares. Seattle is a pretty progressive city. Um, many agencies are already making the transition, uh, touting social equity as the reason. How can an account-based system actually address these social equity goals? So one of the things, it's very simple to be able to define a fair structure. So we in Seattle have a program called LIF. This is Low Income uh, Fair Transit. I don't know if that's what the acronym is for, but that's how it's viewed. So if somebody's lower income, they can get an ORCA card so they don't have to show up at a fare box and put in a reduced fare. They get a chance to actually look just like anybody else. There's no differentiation on the bus into the driver. It's just somebody coming on using the system. So it's very easy an account-based system to manage that. There's nothing to get lost. Handing out cards is very simple because there's no value on it. It's just identifying that person back to the back-end system. So Seattle is very progressive, but we still know that we've got a region, and some regions have more commuters. Some regions serve more low income. Some of the region, part of the regions are more rural. So they all have to figure out how they meet the needs of their customers and provide for that equity across all of those strata. So seven total agencies are part of this ORCA system. So that's a pretty wide reach. And we're not just talking about buses. We're talking about buses, commuter rail, light rail, BRT. Streetcars, ferries. And your favorite, Anne, the water taxi that you and I took. Yes, that was great. So along with being able to identify riders in the back end and not having to give them special cards, another possibility is that reduced or free fares can be activated and deactivated in the event that there's a temporary loss of income and people are still needing to take the system to figure out where they're going, whether that's a new job or to a new location. The designation can be conveniently changed to the appropriate status in the back end at any time. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's very flexible and can be done real time. That's a game changer. I can imagine the same system can help manage other fair tiers like university, medical, or business discount programs. And that's exactly right. I mean, we have a very, very reduced fare system for business riders. Um, if we paid uh, the, the rate that we use travel transit, it would far eclipse what in it pays for each of our employees in Seattle. So, um, but that flexibility can come and go. What kind of commitment you're making to the program, how much people use. But the University of Washington, almost every employer in the city, everyone has an ORCA card. That's great. I think that your benefits here are not just to the rider, they're to the agency, they're to the region, really, but also for employers, because if their employees are taking public transit, you're saving money and you're saving the environment. Absolutely. And one of the things Jim and I always talk about is one of our favorite benefits of working for it is that we get all of our transit paid. So it's not just commuting in and commuting back. I can use that card in the evenings. I can use that card on the weekends. Uh, my son uses it to get to school and back all the time. So it's a very flexible way to transit the system. And Seattle's grown up a lot because we were a, a lot of a car culture. But be, as we've grown, as so many people moved into the region, the traffic is unbearable. And the only way to make this work is design transit first in everything people do. And not just transit first for the infrastructure, but transit first in the mindset of the businesses, the employees, and everybody that uses the system. It sounds like you're mimicking what everyone is talking about right now in major cities across the continent is making sure that we are putting transit first and reducing that, that individual car traffic. So, And that's exactly right. And one of the real benefits of being a company based out of Karlsruhe, it's a very transit-oriented city. Uh, you go there and it's so easy to take a tram. If you missed a tram or you got on the wrong one, 
wait five minutes, you'll straighten right out. Exactly. So to be able to have that engineering, that mindset, then be able to be deployed because that's the technology we're using is really exciting. So Jim, one last question for you. From the technical side of things, when the system goes live, tell me what that's going to look like for the rider and for the agency. Well, for the rider, we're hoping that it's going to be as seamless as possible. They'll be faced with new validators, new uh, vending machines, and new validators on board buses and along wayside. Uh, most of the change will happen after we're processing for those changes. The ticket vending machines will be in place before, but they won't be operational until the night that we cut over. The old ticket vending machines, which are sitting side by side with ours, will be turned down. So that'll be a difficult change because we have to manage the expectation of the customer at that point in time. On the vehicle, they'll start showing up more slowly. So after we cut over the one-by-one, coach-by-coach, we'll swap them out. Uh, And as customers face that, it shouldn't be any different. They have the same media. They're going to tap the same device, and it should process the same way. So I understand that until that point, um, we are working in the back end to install our system, but the customer will still have the old system validator forward-facing And then when we cut over, it's a simple swap out? Yeah, it's just about three to five minutes per vehicle to swap out. The wayside sites take longer. We have to go out and change those. Any old validators that are still in the field will process the data or collect the fares and then communicate them back to us at the end of each day. Very cool. So it sounds like you guys have got this thing figured out. (laughs) Um, The progress that's being made in Seattle is not only exciting, but it's very promising. These modern account-based fare technologies are providing greater flexibility for passengers traveling in the region and better functionality for agencies trying to provide good quality service because that's what it's really all about. Do you guys have any further thoughts? Thing about the fare collection system? No, it's just time to get to work. Jim's right. There's a lot to do in front of us and the one luxury we don't have is time. So there'll be lots of updates coming from, from in it in terms of what the system looks like. We'll have a test facility being installed. We're going to have TVMs designed and given to us. We continue to work through design issues that make this transition easier and, yeah, ultimately deliver a phenomenal response and options for the ridership. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, Eric and Jim. We appreciate your time and your expertise. Glad to be here. Thanks, Anne. Thank you, Anne.